0: I'm Joan Hogan, and I'm welcoming all of you to just sit down, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the Prairie Doc Radio Program. Rick Holm, our Prairie Doc, is right here ready to answer any questions you might have of a medical nature. He means it. He wants to answer your questions, so give us a call. His specialty is internal medicine. He's worked with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and has served as a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. Good morning, Dr. Holm.
1: Good morning, Joan Hogan. You were singing when you came in the room oh, and Oh, I was at that, that old Jackson Brown song, Jackson Brown. which was... I didn't realize F, it was made after F. Scott Fitzgerald's novel or novella. Or whatever. Novella, whatever. That's yep. kind of neat. you know. The, you know these little... Caches of knowledge. Bob, there,
0: Bob knows more stuff than Carter has. Little. little <laughs> Can you just <laughs> imagine,
2: can't you just picture though back in the jazz era, going to Saint Paul, north side of town, and in a drugstore where he lived above, he'd sit in a corner by himself, and he would pen some of these great stories that oh. we would hear. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, it's just the Great Gatsby. Of, yeah, was the one. That everybody
1: read in college and in high school, I think. You know, well, looking for the green light at the end of the
2: that's dock. That's considered to be the uh, the, very, the very best, uh, wrapping up the jazz era. And then he also had a, if you ever saw the movie The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, that's one yes. of his short stories called uh, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button and Other Stories of the Jazz Age that right, wrote, But, so. I mean,
1: Benjamin Button got younger as he...
2: He was born an old man and gr- and you went younger. backwards
1: <laughs> wasn't it that it was curious a, yeah it was, that was curious. a curious case it was yeah yes there is a you know it made me think though of uh uh, geria, uh geriof- oh. Jerry someone Jerryophilia. uh there is a condition where little kids oh. become very old very quickly oh yes and they're
2: so cute aren't they
1: kind of in, it's in sad. their old person hair, of hair yeah. and their teeth fall out and it's it's not a terrible very, thing. it's not very no Cute, really. I, it makes me very sad because they're dying quickly. You know, and that happens if you age yourself quickly. One of the things that you can do to advance your aging process is to uh, um, do all those bad things, expose yourself to toxins, uh, and, uh, and and mostly you, you. One of the things that ages person quickly is methamphetamine. Another is uh, tobacco another is uh alcohol another is malnutrition another is uh too much sun uh the toxins of the world will bring on aging quickly and uh, the the big bugaboo is vascular age because if your blood vessels are aging quickly then um you know you're going to die uh prematurely
0: i would guess smoking brings on vascular aging but what else does
1: well uh Lack of exercise. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh,
0: of course it does. Maybe smoking has nothing to do with it. I just think...
1: No, it has something that, yeah, to do with I it. Think it, so. it, you know, it. exercise. It if it you don't pro-
0: exercise, right. then you have vascular aging.
1: You know, uh, vascular aging uh, is in particularly affected by uh, smoking. But uh, anything that takes away the oxygen uh, that you need to have. Uh, so you have... Uh, scarring of the blood vessels. So, what is that? What else is that? Well, sleep apnea is another source of uh, advanced aging, I- increase the aging process, uh, and you know the toxins of the world uh, are out there. And the biggest, uh, you know, we talk about oxidation, right? Antioxidants are the big uh, word that people who are selling supp- supplements are saying, uh, and we found. Uh, we had great hope that it was vitamin E that was uh, deficient, uh, and that aging process could be held back by vitamin E. And they did these huge studies, you know. And after five years, they found <clears throat> that people who were taking uh, vitamin E were were dying earlier of strokes, and I mean, it, uh, earlier or, than yeah, normal. than not. I mean, it wow. didn't it didn't work. In other words. There was basically no difference to slightly increased death rates from people taking the vitamin E. So, uh, but it was at that point that everybody was saying antioxidant, antioxidant. And um, if you really look at the big oxidant push, uh, it's from too many calories. Uh, And uh, so, you know, uh, I'm not talking obesity. I'm talking about eating too many calories. So uh what can you do to do that eat less calories. Uh the real powerful repeatedly proven studies uh show that the people who eat you know 800 or 1200 calories I mean that's very little. That's not many. No. Uh live longer. I think longer. I did
0: that when I was 8 or 9. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just that's not many you calories. Know,
1: when uh, I did studies uh a couple years ago uh on uh, where we looked at the diets of 70-year-old people. We had 100 people in our study and they were all 70 years of age and older. And we had a couple uh, young college people who were helping us with the study. And we had everybody do a diet calorie count, you know, a diet diary for, for three days. And we did it repeatedly. And we found that the the majority of people who were 70 years of age or older, whether they were skinny or heavy, they were eating less than 2,000 calories a day. They were eating 1,800, 1,600. I couldn't believe it. I thought, no, no, Americans eat way more than that. Well, I looked at the young kids, and their diets were 3,000, 4,000 calories a day. (laughs) You know, these young college kids, were, were were tripling the amount of calories that the 70 plus year old people but were do you
0: eating. think the 70 plus people had eaten heavier when they were younger, and as they got older, they were down to mm-hmm. 2,000 calories? You yeah. don't know.
1: Yeah you know there's studies to say uh, why a person is heavy uh, have found that many times the people who are very heavy eat significantly don't eat as many. less calories yeah. than the skinny people. You know, it isn't it. it um, so what I've concluded, particularly, I found also that if you try to get people to lose weight by reducing calories, uh, they can do it. They'll lose weight for a while, but after a year, uh, if of those uh, of the people who wanted to lose weight, only a third did. Of the third that that had lost, lost weight after a year, only a third of the a third had lost, kept it off ten percent and then after 5 years it's less than 5% it's closer to 0% had kept it off so the truth is that calorie reduction is something that we should do for our longevity but don't do it for your weight because it, there's something else going on there's a metabolism you know you start losing decreasing your calorie intake and your metabolism turns way down to try to conserve your weight. <laughs> you know, it's like you set your weight at 180 pounds and it's going to stay there as hard as it can. Uh, it's so really the
0: metabolism will, will fluctuate adjust itself based to, based. to try.
1: You know, your body is this, this, this unbelievably adjusting, um, recalibrating, fixing itself deal. So, what it is that sets our weight at X is 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 the unknown factor we think it's it's that if you eat too much when you're younger and you gain that weight uh, or after a baby you gain that weight delivering making making babies somehow resets your cat your 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 weight and so we you know i've been monitoring this my whole life because i had done some research when i was in Resident, and when I was teaching at the at uh, Emory University School of Medicine, and so you read everything your rest of your life about this because you studied it when you were young,
0: so you've always watched, read whatever comes out on weight studies,
1: right? You know, and I wrote I wrote chapters and books on this, and uh, my conclusion is. We don't know what the heck we're doing My <laughs> with that. The conclusion
0: it. is we don't know. Well, what
1: I do know is that if you eat less calories, whether you're yes. a heavy person or a thin person, if you live longer, you and that's the most longer. powerful antioxidant there is. And let's take that first break. What do you We think? will
0: take that break. But we be... should
1: want we want questions.
0: It would be nice if you give us a call. 692-1430. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Dr. Holm, before the break, was talking about weight gain loss and how to maintain it. And during the break, Bob came up with a metaphysical question. We never know what Bob's talking about, but it kind of makes sense to oh, Bob. Why oh, and you,
1: it, you explain it?
0: I
2: loved it. Well, Bob asked the question again. I thought it was a beautiful point. Um, okay, free radicals, do you ascribe to the theory that they have something to do with aging? That was the first part of it. And I said yes. And the second part of it is our bodies have the ability to live forever i mean they're marvelous they heal and they grow and they produce suddenly they lose that ability and we die now there's a death clock programmed into our genes in the genome somewhere yes and people have said that it triggers something called the methuselah enzyme where people live to be 100 others live to be 50. do you think that's true or is it just random luck Chaos, no. chaos theory.: No, yeah, well, maybe maybe um,
1: I put it to this,: Do uh, you see what I mean about Bob's questions, folks? Yeah, no, I, 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 th- <laughs> I think that what? I what? I think that you know it's, uh, maybe ignorance is bliss, and God and her or his wisdom have decided, you know, of course you need the young people, and that ignorance allows the enthusiasm <laughs> and/ or the the hope. And as you get older, you know, you finally reach a point where you go, "Oh, well,
2: it was. It's been good. It's okay." <laughs> do you believe in the Bible? I know you do. Read the old chap, the Old Testament. Some of those people lived to be a thousand years old. Yeah, it, you know, they were. You know, so I don't know they what, didn't what really. happened. They didn't really. I think the truth is that old people
1: lose track of how many birthdays they've had, and or people tell stories and so on and so forth. The truth is, I think for the mo- most part, you know, the Methuselah. Uh, System kicks in and we die at about 80 to 90 for the most part. Now, there are people who escaped past 90, uh, particularly in South Dakota. Uh, but, um, and, I, and I attribute that to all the good cream and bacon that they ate when they were younger. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why my mother lived no, so long. No, no, no. Yes. I think it has she more to do with bacon. <laughs> the activity that people did back in the older days. And that young staying active through your middle ages really carries you through but that and I so I said exercise didn't I I talked about exercise and that's important but uh I do think I do think that uh we should not mess with mother nature on this aging thing we we better let it happen uh and I I think the there is a wisdom you know in i uh, you know i'm i'm a darwinian that believes in intelligent design i am i truly believe in um, um the evolutionary changes that occur but i also believe that we have just discovered now that there's epigenetics which means that you know that it isn't just survival of the fittest so you know there is a change that happens to our genes as we're, uh, we're going along and that can be shared quicker than we think, you, you know, it just doesn't have to be survival. And that, that the necks of the giraffes got longer because that was an advantage and that advantage <coughs> epigenetically uh, was shared. And so um, I do think that uh, there is a wisdom uh, out there and part of the wisdom is that old people die make room for the young ones and that's the truth i think
0: you know when you think about it when people get older if you ask them do you want to live you know to 90 or 100 ah, i don't want to live that long do you want to die tomorrow no no no, no. so you know no matter how okay old you it. are you know you don't want to live most people do not want to live too long <laughs> too old that's right unless you ask them about how about next year no i'll still be here next year so it's just it's what is whatever aging is you know when you're 50 80 sounds really old when you're 70 wow it's not that bad you know maybe i'll live to 90 (laughs) so it just depends upon where you are and where you are in your age and what
1: you're doing if you ask woody allen uh, Woody, about Woody dying. Woody
0: Allen was never a very happy man, but tell us what he would say.
1: He said, you know, uh, I'm not afraid of dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens.
0: I love that. <laughs> that, that sounds like Woody Allen.
1: Yeah. Aww. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think uh, I, I do believe that uh, when you're young, you desperately don't want to die. When you get uh, past your uh, watching your children grow up, then it's okay. You feel like uh, it's not going to be so bad. My, uh, my sense is that the fear of death, uh, which is to encourage us to scramble when we're walking through the bush and a tiger attacks, you know, that that, uh, natural. <laughs> that is a natural thing. But uh, I do think also that, uh, that as you get older, being afraid of dying is a dangerous uh, thing for your health. People will run from doing the right things to enhance the quality of their life. Uh, and sometimes uh, at the end, people will do desperate things to try to stay alive, which only drags them through weeks and weeks of suffering. Uh, the boomers who have been notoriously you know, known as the, the most advantaged children uh, of ever, in any generation, until now the millennials have passed us on that, <laughs> but spoiled rotten, always got our way, Easy boomer high. We're thrown into some injustices. Our mother's probably not really happy li- t- being uh, the, the caregivers of their children at home and really wanted to be professionals. Uh, and there's some uh, injustice there that the boomers felt and uh, fight against injustice. So here comes the boomers. They are ready to have everything they want. They're going to get hips and knees and fix things so they can stay active and the danger is that they won't have an advanced directive. They're going to approach the end of their lives. Their kids are not going to be able to say no. And then, when they become demented and then they get pneumonia or they start uh, or they stroke, they'll get a feeding tube and they'll lay in a nursing home for years when they could have had an easy exit. And my point is that boomers need advanced directives, boomers need to realize it's not so bad to die. They, not, they, they, they need to be, not be afraid of it and uh, and be prepared for it and talk about it. And the other advanced directive point is that it if you don't talk to your family about it, it doesn't matter because the family will say, keep him alive, and the doctor will say there's a living will, and the family says, no, I'll well, do what I'm telling you to. I can sue you. He's not going to sue you. <laughs> and um, and so the doctor it will make do It makes th- it tough. The doctor will uh, keep, the the feeding tube will go down.
0: Not a good idea. On that note, we'll take our next break. We'll be right back. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We've become somewhat, uh, what what would you call it? Philosophical, discussing life, death, and everything in between. And uh, probably the most important thing that came out of this discussion was that Everyone listening really should have an advanced directive. Yep. I don't care how old or how young you are, an advanced directive makes an awful lot of sense. And, Just, in, and let your family know your wishes.
1: Yeah, let your family know it's more important than the writing down of them.
0: I bill. have no problem because Tim said, don't worry, Mom. I <laughs> will take <laughs> care of you. I know Dad will fight it, but we'll keep him out of the room. I will take care of you. Okay, okay Tim. Here, but here's And he, he will. <laughs> here are the
1: three questions that people need to know for an advanced directive really I mean you can make go to the lawyer the lawyer will talk all his law stuff and all that but
0: unless he, it's your son and he says don't worry yeah I'll take <laughs> care of you okay go ahead the what are the questions three questions is one things? would
1: if you had a cardiac arrest right now here and now would you want resuscitation now in my lifetime I would have said well if I have a chance of coming back do it um, maybe not later uh, right now I, I'm thinking at this point I would say don't do it for me okay secondly but some most people under, you know, under uh, 80 or 75 would say, yes, CPR if I have a chance of coming back and not be disabled. The second question is, okay, now you've had a stroke. It looks significant. It doesn't look like there's a cha- reasonable chance of it coming back where you will not be in a nursing home. And what's more, you aren't swallowing or eating. And what's more, you don't know who your family members are. If you're in that scenario where you're in a nursing home, feeding tube, don't know your family members, do you want to be kept alive? And 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 the better question is, put the feeding tube down or or not? But the first question is, do you want CPR? No, is my answer on that one, of course. But the third the the third question, uh, that was the second question. The third question is. Do you want a feeding tube if it doesn't look like you know who your family members is, it's not our, uh, your family members are, and it doesn't look like you have a reasonable chance of recovery? And my answer on that one, and that's the hard one, see, that's the one the family members have a hard time answering. Will you want the feeding tube or not? The feeding tube is a dangerous proposition because it can prolong a, a miserable life in a nursing home not knowing anything. And I would say, uh, you know, if you're going to feeding tube two, mo- two weeks only, you know, that type of a thing, or no feeding tube until it looks like I have a reasonable chance. And uh, who's afraid of death anyway? You know what I mean? Don't now, what are the
0: positives tube? of feeding tube? You, we always think of feeding tube as no, 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 we don't want that. But there are times... When it's very essential to right. maintaining the life, that's going to be viable. So right. how do you how do you what, determine that? When you that? have
1: a prediction that the the life is going to be viable and uh, there is a reasonable chance of recovery, then fine.
0: Then you do a feeding tube.
1: Yeah, right. I, I just uh, I don't have a problem with IV fluids and feeding tubes. Feeding tubes for for example, a baby who's vomiting and is uh, and the prolonged vomiting, or a woman who has got. Uh, uh, vomiting from gravidarum you know who's pregnancy and can't keep it down and so you give them some nutrition along the way or you go IV fluids and uh, IV nutrition I had a 90 year old woman who was intact mentally had a shortened gut and a significant problem with malnourishment uh, she was a nutritionist from college, from SDSU <laughs> and she was with it and a lovely lady and uh, she just had adhesions, adhesions and shortened bowel and problems and problems and I gave her IV uh, nutrition. That's the only one in my whole life I gave uh, supplemental IV nutrition to long term and she, she went on a couple, three months and it was very expensive. I've done that early on in my life in the ICU. But uh, I think when people are so very sick, you really don't want to dump all this nutrition into them because all their energy is gonna be drawn from trying to heal and spent trying to bring this nutrition into action. There is a time to, uh, to feed a fever and, and uh, starve a fever. And I'm mostly I'm a starve a fever person. If you're not hungry because you're sick and your it, your body needs its energy to to fix itself i uh then then i think you let let the starvation occur you got plenty of most of us have plenty of fats uh around a, which from which to draw uh, i had a time and time again they would come back from sioux falls after a prolonged hospitalization from some illness they had a feeding tube because they were they were sick, but um, and they hadn't had nutrition, and they were very, very sick. And there's a chronic infection or whatever it might be, and the feeding tube was there. And I would slow the feeding tube way down or stop it entirely, because they had edema. They were swollen. Uh, they they were they're struggling from all of this. Let the body's edema reduce. Let the body's uh, uh, energy be spent on healing. Uh, and not spent on trying to deal with all this nutrition that was constantly being poured into them. And I can't tell you how often I saw them turn around right in front of me over the next week when you stop the nutrition, you stop the feeding tube, you stop the IV hyperalimentation. And so um, I'm a believer in starve the fever.
0: All right. Makes sense. It has worked in the it's cases worked. that you've had, and yeah. in
1: fact, the the science uh, uh, backs me up on that. But it's new science, really. Uh, but it was a clinical person, me, sitting there watching these people come back bloated and sick, and and uh, I cut back on the nutrition, and they did better.
0: That's positive. You know, I'm curious uh, about people when they do when they're near death, and I'm thinking in my mother's case, she just. Um, just stopped eating. And so the doctor said, you know, it'll be a day or two, and she's fine. She's not suffering. You know, it got through to us. Yeah. She's not suffering. She went almost two weeks without eating. She looked very calm. She really wasn't communicating much. You could tell there was no struggle or anything. Mm. Why would you go that long without food before you die? But
1: because maybe she was getting – what happens is if you stopped all nutrition on any human being but you gave them fluids, they'll right. live – Three months. Wow! If okay. you stop fluids, it's ten days. Okay. Eight wow. to twelve. I've but seen. it's them amazing lab- that it's someone
0: just, lives that long, and you're you're so fearful that they're struggling, but they're not. They're, if you really no, look at no. them, they're just very calm and no. it's at okay.
1: Mostly, what I suggest is, a uh, person comes in with a major stroke. I will suggest that they uh, we don't start fluids, we don't give uh, uh, NG tubes down. Let them dehydrate. There's edema in the brain from the stroke. Our best shot is to let them get dehydrated. After about three days, we'll see if there's a p- chance of turning around. Three, four days, you can, s- you can see they're not going to turn around. They're going to end up with this major hemiparesis, no ability to speak, doesn't know what's going on. Family is a little bit better ready to say, okay. let's go uh, and let her go mm-hmm. instead of the feeding tube you know so i'm pretty quick to not go give iv fluids in an acutely ill people
0: so it just is not unusual at all for people to survive for a while without food or liquid and then they just gradually will die right
1: 10 days if no iv fluids and uh, no ng tube Uh, people will dehydrate and actually they die the way nature made it i mean the endorphins kick in they don't suffer so uh, I think that's an important message. You know, we're going to talk about, th- you know what the show is for tomorrow night.
0: Tomorrow night, I thought there was no show. <gasps> I thought it's a public TV night.
1: Yep, you're right. They're raising money. I forgot. Raising it's next money. week.
0: The week after that, what is the show?
1: The week after that is uh, an interview with uh, uh, a, a theologian about uh, the the... Dennis Bielfeld about the meaning and purpose of life the, 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 the well the that's kind of the meaning and purpose the theer- of life the theoretical okay. philosophy about consciousness and about, uh, about awareness of, uh, of the possibility of uh, of a, of a, of a uh, more than just evolution that there is uh, intelligent design
0: Well, that'll be a great show. Actually, tomorrow night, then, uh, it's fundraising for public TV, but the week from now, the next Thursday... It will be Dr. Home and uh, Dr. Dennis, Dennis Bielfeld. Okay. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this program. It hasn't been an upper, but it's been very informative. And very not an upper. upper. I'm, I'm an, I
1: think it was kind of Okay,
0: up. kind of an upper, somewhat of an <laughs> upper, but we do hope you've enjoyed whatever you've listened to, and, <laughs> and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc, brought to you by the Avira Medical Group Brookings. As always, you can hear and see more from Dr. Home online at prairiedoc.org. Thank you Rick. that's all for this week.
1: Thank you Joan and thank you Bob and stay healthy out there people.